Welcome to NACSW's Podcast of the Month. Our podcast program makes available 20-minute samples of recordings of a wide variety of NACSW presentations and discussions on topics of particular interest to Christians in social work. Our Podcast of the Month program features a new sample podcast every 30 days for your listening pleasure. In addition, you can access the full-length version of this and all NACSW podcasts at no cost simply by becoming a member of NACSW or by ordering a copy of this podcast at a reasonable cost on NACSW's online bookstore. We hope you enjoyed today's sample podcast. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming Saturday afternoon after lunch, and you're here. You are diehards. You're very committed. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here. Um, hopefully we're all in the right place. This is a session I'm looking at child trauma, spirituality, and expressive arts. Come on in, everybody. Come on. <coughs> My goal for this session, we only have an hour today, is to talk about what I mean by uh, child trauma, expressive arts, and spirituality. Also, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on how I got to using expressive arts with uh, kids who've been traumatized. And then a little bit about the correlation or connection between those three different variables. And then I want to um, give you a little information about a couple programs that I've been intimately involved with over the last seven years uh, where we're working with traumatized kids and using um, expressive arts to help them heal. So the underlying question that I want to look at today is how do expressive arts assist in spiritual development and healing from child trauma? So let me lay something right out on the table for you. Number one, I am not an art therapist, okay? I'm not an art therapist. The reason why I say that is because I've worked with a lot of art therapists and they have master's degrees, specialized training um, and certifications. And so I want to just lay that out that I am a doctoral level licensed clinical social worker who just so happens to use expressive arts in a therapeutic way with kids who are healing from trauma. So how did I get into using expressive arts? Well, I came by sheer desperation. Well, back in the 1980s, my first job out of school was as a youth and family service counselor, and um, I realized pretty quickly with working with adolescents that the traditional sit in your office with a box of tissues and tell me how you feel approach didn't work really well with kids and adolescents. And so I started looking back at my own adolescents and said, what were the things that helped me through a difficult time? And it was things like music, it was things like journaling, it was things like outdoor adventure activities, it was sports and those types of things. So I said, how can I incorporate those into the work I was doing with teens at the time? Unfortunately, it wasn't very popular back then to use those types of activities with teens back in the 80s. There wasn't a whole lot of literature out yet or research on the value of using those activities with kids or adolescents. But I knew, just kind of a gut level feeling, that it was incredibly impactful. I could get more out of a teenage kid playing basketball with them for an hour and talking about their day than I could sitting in a sterile office talking about uh, how is your how is your feelings going. And so <coughs> I started incorporating those types of activities into my approach at the Youth and Family Service Association. It was fairly successful. Enough where the high schools in the area and stuff, I started getting some write-ups in the paper. And um, so a big behavioral healthcare company asked me if I would come aboard, if, I, if they would hire, if they could hire me to come with them to help them with their adolescent programming. They ran short and long-term residential programs for kids and adolescents, and many of them were leaving early 
They were leaving against medical advice. They weren't having a very good time engaging them into the treatment process. So they said, can you use any of that crazy stuff you do, Phelps, to get them more involved with the treatment program? So I spent the next 12 years working for that behavioral health care company, and they had 33 programs in four states. And I hired art therapists, and music therapists, and drama therapists, and exercise physiologists, and adventure therapists. And we distributed them amongst all the programs and started incorporating ways to engage children and adolescents in the healing process. <coughs> so I've had some experience developing and building expressive arts programs. I also have had some experience of working with some of the best art therapists, music therapists, drama, and movement therapists out there. So I've learned a lot from them over the course of the last 25 years. Um, most of my work since 1985 has been with adolescents and their families. In 2005, I was asked to help out with the uh, Red Cross Mental Health Disaster Team after Katrina. And I was stationed um, in Houston, excuse me, not Houston, San Antonio at Kelly Air Force Base, and they had a couple of huge hangars full of people who had come from uh, uh, New Orleans. And one of my jobs was to work with the kids. And when, during that time, I kind of tied in my stuff that I've been doing with adolescents, and I said, how can I use expressive arts with some of the kids here in the shelter? And so we started using expressive arts and experiential therapies with some of the kids there. And then I felt this calling, and, and I, I fought. And God was saying, you need to do this with little ones. And I was like, you know, God, no. I, I work with teenagers. I've been doing it my whole professional life, 20-some years. I'm good at it. I like to stay at that. And God said, no, I want you to work with the little ones. I want you to, and I was just like, one thing I've learned from being this old and having this great hair is that fighting God like that has never worked for me. Never worked for me, and it's, not, it's always been uh, uh, persistent when he tells me and calls me for those things. And so I started doing programs for uh, young kids, and then, as I'll share later in the uh, presentation today, started working with little ones in a homeless shelter, and then during a university sabbatical last year, I uh, worked with little ones at an orphanage in Mexico uh, doing uh, expressive arts programs. Throughout this presentation, you're going to see some pictures. I want to reassure you that all the pictures that I'm using have been used in the agency's promotional PR stuff on their website and their brochures. All the parents and kids have given their permission, and I'm certainly not uh, breaking any of their trust or confidentiality. Um, I want to start this presentation, though, with some of my core beliefs about this. So let me just read these for you. Expressive arts are inherently spiritual and can be a natural form of spiritual expression. Second is expressive arts are naturally therapeutic um, and have a potential to help us feel more whole. There is a long and intimate history of relationships between art and spirituality, art and healing, and spirituality and healing. The use of expressive arts can be a powerful therapeutic intervention for children who have experienced trauma. The use of expressive arts can help move children from not only being survivors, but thrivers through skill building, support networks, and resiliency enhancement. And then the last one I think is a core um, assumption that I have is that children have spiritual lives. I truly believe that with all my heart. So what I want to do is I want to talk about some quick definitions of these terms. For expressive arts, what I want my definition is similar to the International Expressive Arts Therapy Association. But when I talk about expressive arts today, what I'm talking about is activities such as dance, um, poetry, music, drama, drawing, creative writing, sculpture, photography, 
all of those different types of activities. So it's a pretty broad definition. Remember that using expressive arts is not the same thing as expressive arts therapy. Two different things. The therapeutic use of expressive arts by non-credential counselors and social workers <coughs> is different in that it simply focuses on the inherent therapeutic value of children participating in creative endeavors. And so while both encourage creative expression, the context, facilitation, and purpose is very different. When you're using expressive arts as a method in your healing, you're not necessarily, if you're not an art therapy music therapist, using it for assessment or a specific clinical approach. You're using it more for its inherent value. All right? When I talk about spirituality today, I'm talking about a person's core purpose and meaning in their lives. Uh, the best metaphor I can use always is the flower in the pot. To me, the flower is spirituality, and the pot is, however, uh, what supports you in your environment. That may be a faith tradition, but for some people it may be science, for some people it may be humanism. But the spirituality part is the flower, and that can either grow or not grow, and that can be supported by the pot. So somebody's spiritual development, child's spiritual development, can be nurtured by the faith tradition or religion that they're a part of, or it can be inhibited by that, right? So if you grew up in a toxic environment, if you grew up in a church that where it's been very punitive, then that actually that soil in that pot is not very nurturing. It can impede the spiritual development of the child. So that's to me the difference of spirituality and religion. Religion means that you do it over and over and over again. You can be a religious dope smoker. Right? Religion just means that you do it over practices, rituals, that sort of thing. Right? To me, those are very different things. When I talk about child trauma today, what I want to talk about is this in generalities as well. I'm talking about things such as child sexual abuse and physical abuse, family violence, um, things like neglect, um, natural disasters, that sort of thing. So it's a pretty broad definition of child trauma. And we know that kids respond to child trauma in different ways. Some respond through PTSD, some respond through anxiety, through depression, through other behavioral problems. And so kids may respond, they may be, they're pretty resilient, and sometimes they come back pretty quickly, but other ones struggle for longer periods of time depending on how severe the trauma was. <coughs> to me, using expressive arts for spiritual development and for healing trauma is natural for social workers. Why? Because we believe in a strange perspective, we also believe in a holistic approach, an integrated approach. When we do an assessment, right, we use a Bio, psycho, social, spiritual, cultural, all of those things, we look at the whole person. And so to me, using expressive arts and spiritual development and healing trauma is a pretty natural transition for a lot of us. The other thing is we know that using art for spiritual development and healing is as old as the paintings on the cave wall. We've been using it for thousands of years. Indigenous cultures know it better than we do. When I travel to Africa, when I travel to Mexico, and other countries, they're all about arts as a way of communicating. And in our country, it's only been in the last two or three decades that I really feel like people are starting to get it. And part of that is due to advances in technology. Because the more we are able to look at brain scans and neuroscience, we're able to see the impact of expressive arts and how they help people heal from trauma. When we talk about spirit, mind, body, I love this quote from Alice Miller. I don't know how many of you have read her work. But it says, the truth about our childhood is stored up in our body, and though we can repress it, we can never alter it. Our intellect can be deceived, our feelings manipulated, our perceptions confused, and our bodies tricked with medication. 
But someday, the body will present itself, for it is as incorruptible as a child who still holds in spirit will accept no compromise or excuses, and it will not stop tormenting, tormenting us until we stop evading the truth. How true, huh? How true. So, one of the reasons I first started using expressive arts with kids is because I realized how difficult it was for them to put into words what was going on inside of them. Most of us grew up in homes where we had good teachers who taught us. They said things like when we looked really angry at our brothers and sisters, they go, wow, you dad, you look really angry. Or, you know, they, they use those words and they help us label this internal process. A lot of the kids we work with have not had that luxury, have not had people who help them put external symbols to internal uh, things that are going on, feelings, thoughts, emotions, that sort of thing. And so one of the things that we try to do with expressive arts is we try to use them in a way to help kids put external symbols to that internal process. Um, we know that kids who grow up in toxic home environments learn three important survival skills. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And then they come to us and what is the first thing we ask them to do? Talk, trust, and feel, right? And then when you get surprised, like, why they don't do that? It's because that they have learned those. It's a survival skill. And so what we have to do then is try to figure out what are some backdoor ways in which we can get to what's going on for them without them feeling threatened, without them having to lift up their defenses so quickly, without having to feel like they need to protect themselves. Right? <coughs> um, so what we're trying to do is create a language. And I, I love this uh, um, quote here. It says, Expressive arts offer children a way to express their feelings, perceptions, thoughts, and memories in words, in ways that words simply cannot. So another thing that I try to do when I do expressive arts with kids is I always try to do it in groups. Why? Because I believe that in groups we can build community. When kids are working together on projects, then they learn how to create a language together. They realize that other people are struggling with the same things that they are, and they feel mutual support. When they create a piece of art, whether that's music or painting or something like that, and they hold it up for their group members, and they go, wow, that's amazing. Or the leader or authority figure says, nice job. They're encouraged to keep trying to find external symbols for what's going on inside of them. And so I really believe that working in a group helps our kids develop hope, helps them support one another, and helps them learn from one another. I also believe that expressive arts changes a child's physiology. One of my heroes is a guy named Bruce Perry. Some of you know him, he's been on Oprah, but he's a psychiatrist who works at the Child Trauma Center in Houston, Texas. And he's one of the few psychiatrists I know that can talk about neuroscience in a way in which I go, I get it. Right? Because most neuroscience is right over our heads. And so <laughs> what Bruce Perry and other psychiatrists have found out is that when kids experience trauma, any kind of stress, it triggers the fight or flight response, right? So we know that it hits the um, amygdala and it jacks up the body, so we're either able to fight, we're able to flee, so our blood pressure goes up, uh, we know our heart rate, I mean, our heart rate and our breathing rate and stuff go up too. And um, so with that, then um, that's, the, that's what's called the sympathetic nervous system. After the threat is gone, then your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, 
And if the threat's gone, it helps bring things back to homeostasis and balance again. So if right now we heard a loud noise outside that sounded like a shot, our amygdala would kick in, all those systems would get raised, our heart rate goes up, all those things happen, and within a couple minutes, if we realize that somebody just dropped something out there, the parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, and we get calmer. Now, guess what happens when you do expressive arts and they study the brain? Parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. So it literally helps kids reduce the amount of stress that they're experiencing. Now, it's important when you work with kids who've been traumatized to understand this and the way the stress response works because kids who experience trauma over an extended period of time have what's called a hyperarousal or a, a stress response that's on all the time. And this eventually causes a lot of physical and psychological damage. But they look like kids who are hyperactive. They look like kids sometimes who are struggling in school focusing and stuff like that. And what they're having is a physiological response to the chronic stress that they're experiencing. Now the body does an amazing thing. Once there's so much stress that we can't fight or flight, what does it do? Freeze. Right? It freezes. Dissociative state. Or what happens is the body, instead of jacking everything up and secreting things that look like speed, it slows everything down. And your brain actually produces biochemicals that are like opiates, painkillers. And you'll find kids actually in fetal positions trying to protect vital organs. And so that's what happens if we can't fight or flight from the threat. So when we're working with kids who are struggling with trauma, we have to be careful because an activity that we do can in many ways trigger that stress response that's already been at a hyperarousal rate and cause them more harm than good. So one of the things I found to be incredibly helpful, how many of you have ever seen those heart rate monitors that you use for exercising? Obviously I could use one more. But <laughs> those heart rate monitors that you use for exercising, they measure your heartbeat. If you put one of those on a kid at the beginning of group, and after a second, they don't even realize they have it on anymore, but it's got big lettering on there, so when you're running you can see it, you can get the normal kid heart rate, and you can find out very quickly whether or not an activity is starting to increase their stress. Okay? For somebody like me, I'm a big dude, and so I come in just to a room with little kids, and I can see some of those monitors go up. Just because I'm a male, and a lot of their perpetrators were male, and the size that I am. And so then I have to work carefully with them to, to make sure that I can try to get that right down again. And so we have to be careful when we're working with kids because um, we can actually re-traumatize them in many ways. Another thing that's important is to understand the way the brain develops. Our brain develops, and I don't want to try to oversimplify this, but the brain develops from the bottom up and the inside out. This is the brain stem. This is where all that really natural stuff we never have to think about happens. Like, you don't have to say, hmm, how many times will a heartbeat? How, should I breathe now? None of, we don't have to think about that because it's all done for us. That's brainstem stuff. That's one of the first things to develop. And the inside is the limbic system. That's where your amygdala is at, hypothalamus. That's the emotional aspect of the brain. And the outside is the cortex, right? The cortex is the part where we cognitive thought. And then that top part is the prefrontal cortex, which is like our executive director of our brain. Right? And so thankfully, in a mature brain, we have all those components because that middle part is called the low road, and this is called the high road. And so if I'm out in the hallway and somebody makes me mad and I say, I'm going to punch that person, that's the emotional brain kicking in. 
hopefully, the cortex kicks in and the prefrontal cortex and says, whoa, slow down, let's think about that for a minute. Let's think about all the consequences that could happen if you hit somebody and we pause and then we don't do it. Now, the reason why this is important is because latest research has shown that when kids are traumatized, the brain, the neural pathways at that point of development are altered. And so what happens then is when they come in for treatment, we have to return to activities that respond to that aspect of the brain development for them to be able to get to higher levels of development. So if I have an adolescent that comes in who can look pretty sharp and amazing cognitive skills, and I may try to rationalize and talk to this person logically, if they were traumatized early in life, I'm working in the entirely wrong area of the brain. And so what I need to do is go back to middle or lower brain functioning to help that person. Think about it as a house. For your brain to develop, it needs a good foundation. And if there's a good foundation, then you can build a good frame. If there's a good frame, then you can build the walls and you can have the siding and the roof. But if there's a faulty foundation, you can have the nicest looking siding and walls in the world, but it's a house of cards. Thank you for listening today to this 20-minute sample of NACSW's Podcast of the Month featured selection. Just a reminder that you can access the full-length version of this and all NACSW podcasts at no cost by simply becoming a member of NACSW or by ordering a copy of this podcast at a reasonable cost on NACSW's online bookstore. We also hope that you will consider participating in additional NACSW activities and events, including NACSW's upcoming convention in the fall, our quarterly audio conference workshops, which provide CEUs accredited by the Association of Social Work Boards, and our online continuing education program. Also, we invite you to join NACSW's Facebook group or our Facebook fan page. For additional information about these and other NACSW benefits and services, you can go to our website at www.nacsw.org. Thanks again for listening in to our podcast session today.